You're listening to the podcast about nothing in particular, where we bring words from our mouth holes to your ear holes. Today on the podcast, we have Nate Hillenkamp of Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. Nate is the college minister, co-host of my favorite podcast, Becoming Something. It's great to have you on, Nate. Thanks for being on. Hey, so glad to be on. Such an honor that you think of me. Um, just super excited to be here today, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about how young adults can stay connected during this time of quarantine. Before we dive into that, Nate, for those who are not familiar, can you give us a little background on how you ended up at Harris Creek and how the Becoming Something podcast came about? Yeah, so I, I grew up in the second best state in the United States, uh, Minnesota, born and raised there, lived there for 18 years. Um, loved everything about it except the winters. Hated the winters, so I knew I needed to move south. Um, I knew I wanted to be a pastor, so I just kind of searched the United States for different Christian colleges I could go to that would uh, help me develop as a as a Christian and a, and a leader. And uh, came down and toured Baylor University and just fell in love with it. Uh, just loved everything about it. Loved the people there. Loved the campus. Loved Waco. So I went to Baylor University for undergrad, and then. One of the first things I did while at Baylor was find a local church to get plugged into, um, found Harris Creek and just started serving there in the youth ministry for four years. And then uh, just got to know the pastors, got to know people on staff and came on staff the second half of my senior year in college um, with uh, just came on staff with the college ministry and then uh, stayed in Waco, still in school, went to Truett Seminary, which is at Baylor's campus. And uh, kind of did work and seminary at the same time. And then eventually just kind of took over the college ministry. And then once that happened, man, our church uh, had some chaos because our pastor resigned. We were about to move into a 1,000 seat sanctuary. And after our pastor resigned, man, our our attendance went down and we didn't have a pastor. So it was just like, what in the world are we going to do? We can't afford it. We can't fill it. This is a nightmare kind of felt like we were on the Titanic, just a, a sinking ship. Um, and one of our, the, one of the people on our search team had, had reached out to Jonathan Bacluda, JP, who led the porch, uh, which is one of the largest young adult ministries in the world and based out of Dallas, Texas and reached out to him and was like, Hey, do you have, do you know of anyone who could be interested? And he was like, actually, I might be interested in coming down. So he uh, eventually said, yes, came down took the job to be our lead pastor. And then one of the first things he did was he was like, Nate, you and I were going to start up a podcast. You figure it out. I don't know anything about technology. Don't know anything about microphones or any of that stuff. But that was like my first task with him was to figure out how to make the podcast. And uh, like a year and a half later, here we are. We've been, we've been recording for a long time and God's just used becoming something in, a, in an amazing way, truly greater than we could even ask or imagine. Yeah, it's incredible. No, that your podcast definitely has a, a far and wide reach on the impact it's having with you know, for young adults and for those in ministry who are trying to lead young adults. So, um, no, that podcast is incredible. And if anyone's listening and they haven't checked it out, you need to check it out. There's so much wisdom uh, and there's so much joy in it as well. I mean, the conversations you guys have are uh so entertaining and fun to listen to. I mean, it adds a lot of joy, especially in a time where, you know, there's maybe not a lot of joy out there. Well, that's awesome. That's so helpful to hear. All we want to do is use the podcast to help people follow Jesus and have them become the people that God's created them to be. And honestly, like 
whenever we're recording, I kind of forget that it's going out to the whole world because it's just us three hanging out. I mean, we're, we're close friends. We enjoy working with each other. So uh, really, we just get to hang out. And the reason we record is we just want you guys in the room with us. So um, thanks for saying that. It means yeah. the world. I mean, you guys say some absolutely hilarious stuff. Dude, <laughs> I love I mean, it. Dude, the rap battles, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> you know, I, I cannot rap. I never can rap. I never have been able to rap. I have no desire to rap, but JP like loves beatboxing. So I've just get, gotten thrown into like rap battle after rap battle. In fact, this week, uh, we released an episode where I rap battled with Tadashi and I did beat him. Oh, so, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I listened yeah, to the first two that, that you guys released this week, um, but I got to check out the rest of them. Um, and I, yeah. actually, I remember the episode where you you debuted your beatboxing skills and like so, like floored the like like it was amazing. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the sad truth behind that is that was actually JP. I've what? had to oh. uh, yes, I've oh. had to correct it with so many people. They've all everyone's been like, Nate, you gotta you gotta beatbox, you gotta beatbox. I'm like, I can't beatbox. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was actually JP. I, I feel horrible. I feel like that that's was dishonest. That's really funny. But, <laughs> that's really yeah, funny. But no, I can't rap and I can't beatbox. No, you, I, I remember listening. I was like, oh, you said, you said on the, the podcast, like, yeah, I've been practicing my car for like, you know, weeks or months or whatever. <laughs> right. And then I was like, I was like, okay. So I, I was like, if Nate can do it, I can do it. So I started like trying to beatbox in my car. I'm like, man, I just don't have it, I guess. I don't have that, like that, that special sauce oh, that makes it happen. Oh, false hope. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, it's all good. It's hilarious. I love it. That's great. That's that's some good insider information right there. That's great. Yeah, seriously, not many people know that. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, okay, so so let's dive in. Let's talk about a little bit about how people, young adults especially, can tackle this time of isolation. Uh, we you know we find ourselves in an odd time, and some people were prepared for it. Some churches have better preparation for this, but a lot of churches, unfortunately. Um, just are falling short just because their technology is not to where it needs to be. Maybe they live in an area where they don't have the capabilities to utilize technology in that way. So all that being said, how can young adults stay connected to community and with God during this time? Yeah, it's such an important question because all of us are living in isolation right now. It's This has just been one of the weirdest times of my life. I'm sure it's been one of the weirdest times of all of our lives. And, um, we're just, we're literally mandated by the government to be isolated, which can be a dangerous thing because isolation is not good for us. Uh, isolation, what I've noticed in my own life and, and talking with young adults and college students around me is that in isolation, three things tend to grow, temptation, anxiety, and loneliness. And those are not uh, three fruits of the spirit. Those are not three things we want to have in our life. No one wants to have temptation. No one wants to have anxiety and no one wants to feel lonely. Um, and yet that is what's happening in this time. So the, the antidote to that is getting connected to, to, well, getting connected to Jesus. But one of the ways you can get connected to Jesus is getting connected to your church. And, and one of the worst decisions you can make in this time is to disengage with your church, disengage with, with your community. Um, and I know a lot of different churches are handling this different ways. Some people aren't necessarily prepared for it. They don't have the capacity to go live online with their services. Um, but even if, even if you don't have that capacity, hopefully you have a, a small group or a life group or a community group where you can continue to press in, in this time. Um, one of the worst things you could do is just stop meeting. Like in Hebrews, it says, uh, do not stop meeting together. As some of you in, are in the habit of doing. And I think that's just so important in this time that man, your, your small group of, of 
of guys or girls, four to 10 of you or whatever, should still be meeting online via Zoom or via FaceTime, whatever. You still need to be encouraging one another, praying for one another and confessing sin. Um, and then also, I, I think you really could um, be more connected to the, your church more than ever. You should be um, just gobbling up whatever resources they put out for you. So every single Sunday, you should be watching the message. And then now, all of us have more time on our hands than ever. So, man, you should be listening to uh, Harris Creek. You should be listening to Passion City Church. You should be listening to a bunch of different churches' messages because you got time on your hands. So the worst thing you could do is disengage rather uh, and instead we should just be leaning in and, and engaging with the local church in this season. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talked a little bit about community um, f- for those who don't have a community group or they didn't have one to begin with, but now they see the need more than ever. How do you start that community group and not just be a hangout party or something that you're just hanging out, talking about the weather or talking about in your, your new shows you watched? How do you bring that biblical aspect and, and that discipleship part of the process? Yeah, that's a great question because I think a lot of people are like, man, I don't, I don't need a community group. I don't need a small group because I've had one in the past and it hasn't been super beneficial or, or I'm good on my own. But I think this season is showing all of us like, Oh my word, I need people to, to walk alongside me to help me follow Jesus because um, doing this on my own is not fun. It's not helpful. It's not beneficial. So there, there's no like silver bullet on how to make, your small group, um, be the most effective and efficient use of your time. But what we do at Harris Creek is that every single week we're answering three different questions during our time in, in, in life group is what we call it. And, uh, those three questions are, how are you feeding your soul? So like, how are you growing your love for Jesus? What, what have you been reading? Um, what have you been praying for? What are some things that you did this week that just filled your soul? Maybe you went on a walk, maybe you talked to the friend, whatever it is, how did you feed your soul? Second question is, how did you feed others? So who are you pouring into? Who are you praying for in your life? Um, Who's that person that you're trying to share the gospel with? Um, So how are you feeding others? And then finally, how did you feed your flesh? So that's just sin. It's confession of sin. It's, hey, I... I, I, I lusted this week, or I, I lied this week, or, or I uh, fell in a gossip this week. Whatever it is, uh, you're confessing sin. So you're you're uh, just admitting to how you fed your flesh. Those three questions: um, How'd you feed your soul? How'd you feed others? How'd you feed your flesh? And then the person sitting to your right would pray for you um, about whatever it is. Um, but especially the how'd you feed your flesh part. And then that person would go and then you just go around in a circle. And then by the end, you really get a good feel for um, where people are at in their walk with Jesus. And, um, and you're not just sharing whenever you're sharing, people are sharing scriptures with you and, and speaking in your life. And um, that way people, there's a, people actually know what's going on in your life because there's a system of going deep and being authentic uh, with one another in community. Yeah. That it's so simple, but it's so profound. Like, um, where I find myself, my current situation is we hadn't, we're kind of a newer church, kind of a church revitalization slash church plan. Yeah. Um, so we haven't got to the point yet. We, we were about to actually launch this month, uh, community groups in person. Um, yep. but because of the coronavirus, now we're having to do it a different way and, um, we're trying to come up with, uh, you know, what's the best way to do this. And I think I'm going to definitely submit that and as a way to do it, you talked a little bit about being vulnerable and sharing your sins, uh, with your community. So how do you foster a community and a culture that is comfortable with confessing sins to one another? 
Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I, I've seen that also. Confessing sin isn't normal. Um, but good things typically aren't normal. Like good things are hard and they, they take work and, and they're uncomfortable. And if you're going to grow, you're going to have to do some hard things. And confessing sin is a, is a hard thing as you start out. Um, the, the more the more open you are, the easier it'll get. Um, but I think, like you said, you're in Oklahoma. I'm in Waco, Texas. We kind of live in, in the Bible Belt where people want to act like they've got it all together. And um, of course, they didn't sin this week and uh, whatever else. But it's like, man, we're all just playing the game here. Like we we all know that we're that we've fallen short of the glory of God. Um, we've all sinned. Um, so let's just be open about it. And we're not just open about it to beat ourselves up, but it's to have other people hold us accountable because sin grows in isolation. And um, you're just going to be in for a long, long fight with sin if it's just you versus your sin. But if you keep bringing in other people to help battle with you, uh, it, it's just going to be easier for you to overcome your sin. So you're not sharing sin just to heap shame on yourself. You're, 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 what you're doing is you're getting partners, um, in, in defeating that battle of whatever sin you're dealing with. And you asked how to develop that culture. That just takes leadership. That takes the leadership being open and honest. One of the ways I train our life group leaders is just saying, Hey, if you want people to be honest, open and honest, you have to be open and honest and set that tone right away. Uh, whatever it is that you're afraid to say, just tell people that, and th- what what actually happens is people aren't scared by that. They lean in and they're like, oh, my gosh, I, did they just say that? Did they really just do that? They don't lose respect for you. They actually gain respect for you. And then they'll be open. And then, man, the whole circle will be. And then by the time it's over, it's like, man, I know what you're dealing with. And now I can pray for you. Where before, where we were just kind of playing games, I, I thought you were perfect. And, um, and the veil is just kind of torn whenever the leader is open and honest and vulnerable with, with what they've got going on in their life. It seems like, and then what would Nat, what seems like would happen naturally is like you share your sins as a leader and then people would lose respect for you. They'd be like, Oh, I can't be around this guy. I need someone who's like the model of the perfect man or the model of perfect woman. So I think that's incredible um, that you guys have found that people actually lean into that. For sure. Yeah. Young adults are desperate for it. They, I think so many young adults have seen church happen. They've been involved in church and they've seen, uh, fake leaders. They've seen, uh, so many different pastors fall because, um, of sexual immorality or, or whatever it might be. And they're like, man, church is just fake. There's just filled with people who act like they've got everything going on, but we know they don't. So when a pastor or, or a leader, can just be like, yeah, you're right. I don't have it all going on. I am messed up. I am still falling short of the glory of God every single day, but I want to get better. That's when people lean in and are like, okay, I I can sign up for that. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about sin and and during this time where we're alone, we're in isolation. Uh, A lot of people probably live alone by themselves, don't have anyone to kind of be in their house to help keep them accountable. And what I've noticed too is like in seasons of breaks, and I guess you kind of call this an extended break, people being at home alone for so long. But in, in a season of break, I often see young adults and people in general drift away from God and they begin to engage in sin because they have so much free time and their mind begins to wander and they're not busy like they would normally be. So what are some things that that young adults can do during this time to help them combat sin. But what are some like day-to-day practical or spiritual practices that they can take to combat that? 
Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind, and this has been effective for me, is just to develop a plan. Like in this season when there's uh, really no routine and you just kind of wake up and you're like, man, what's what's going to happen today? And you've got so much free time. That free time can be really, really dangerous because you'll fill it with things. And if you're sitting around bored, um, that, that can be a really dangerous thing to sit in. So if you can develop a plan, either the night before or the morning of where you're, you're kind of just laying out your day and it's like, hey, from eight to nine, I'm going to spend time in the word. Then from nine to nine 15, I'm going to spend time in prayer. And then from nine 15 to 10, um, I'm going to eat breakfast. And, um, I, it doesn't have to even be that detailed, but if you have a plan of what you're going to do in the day, uh, that just will take away that, well, what's going to happen next. Maybe I should watch another episode of Netflix or, um, Maybe I should um, do this other thing that's not going to be productive. Whatever it is, like you're eliminating uh, those decisions in the moment. You're, you're able to decide in advance what your day is going to look like. And I found that to be really helpful in my own life. Um, the other thing, well, I mean, a number of different things come to mind. I think everyone needs to be connected to someone in this time. So if you have a community group, that's great. But even within that community group, I would find one person to hold you accountable where you're texting with them probably every single day saying, hey, man, I just read this in the word and was so encouraged by this. Or, hey, man, I'm, I'm praying for you right now. Um, or, hey, man, I'm, I'm feeling super tempted right now. Like you need someone to reach out to, especially if you're living alone so that you don't fall into sin. So you don't fall into temptation. Um and then I also use this time to, to read the Bible more than you ever have in your life. Because one of the biggest reasons we don't get in the word is because we, we claim to be busy. We've got too much happening. And right now, none of us are busy. We don't have, we don't have stuff going on at night. Um, we, we have time to read the word. So the more time you spend in that, the, the less time you're going to have for sin. It's just, um, it's just a time management thing. If you're spending two hours in the word, that's two hours you're not spending sinning. So, um, I, I think that's been my challenge for me is to try to get in the word like never before, because we're, we're hopefully never going to have this season again. And I want to use it, um, to develop habits that will make me a more, more, a more mature follower of Jesus. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I mean, that's, I actually haven't thought about it that way to use this time as a time to train and develop habits to better yourself. For sure. Yeah. I think the temptation in this season is to be like, well, let's just wait it out. I can't wait for this to be over. I can't wait for this to be over. The only issue is we don't know when it's going to be over. I mean, this, this could go on for another week. It could go on for a year. Like we don't really know what's going to happen. So rather than just waiting for it to be over, we need to use this time uh, to be productive, to grow in our faith, to become more mature um, and to develop and to develop habits that will carry through into the next season, whenever that might be. Yeah, I totally agree. So that actually brings me to my next topic. So what do you think church and ministry looks like after this? Yeah, I think the only the only fear right now of like everyone gathering together is the coronavirus. So let's say 18 months from now, everyone has the vaccine and the coronavirus isn't an issue and, and we're, we're totally moved beyond that. I think truly, I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor or optimistic. I think our churches are going to be packed because I think before this, there, there had been a move to like, man, uh, just have virtual church, church at home. And, and that's fine for this season because we have to have it. But I know I am desperate to be with our church and, and to sing with them. I'm desperate to just run and in, run into people at church and, and catch up because those are the things we're missing out on. 
Um, and I think people are desperate for hope right now. I was, I was just talking to JP before this, and apparently um, there's been more Bibles sold right now than like ever because people are just desperate for hope. So I think when this is all over, man, our churches are going to be packed. People are going to be signing up for uh, community groups or life groups like never before because we're sitting in this isolation and we're sick of it. And uh, we're realizing that that there's a better way. And I don't think we're ever going to take um, church for granted ever again. Um, similarly to how people who grew up in the Great Depression were continually marked by that their whole life. I think that's going to be said of us where it's like, man, we we were the generation who lived through this. Like we experienced this and, and we're never going to take uh, person-to-person encounters uh, for granted. We're never going to take just going to church for granted. Instead, we're just going to... Uh, be there like never before. We're going to be there every single week. Um, and that's just how I think it's going to go. Who knows? But I think um, that we're ripe for revival in this season. Last thing I want to talk about is for those seniors, for those, you know, uh, high school kids that are graduating, for a lot of people who are missing out on major milestones and life events in their life, how can the church best care for, for those who are missing graduations and missing their senior nights and missing a number of different things? How can the church and pastors and friends care for these people? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm even supposed to be uh, officiating two weddings uh, next month and just having to do premarital counseling with those couples and realizing that hey, your, your, your wedding day isn't going to be what you expected it to be. That's just so painful. I mean, these are the moments that you are so excited for, you've waited years for, and for them to be taken from you, it just, it doesn't feel fair because it's not fair. Um, you feel cheated out of it. And, uh, if that's you, if you're listening and that's you, I'm so, so sorry. If you missed out on your senior year, missed out on graduation, missed out on your wedding, whatever that might be, I'm so sorry. That's not fair, but that doesn't mean your story is over. Because uh, what, what I love so much about the story of Easter is that, um, man, on, on uh, Good Friday, it looked like the story was over. It looked like, man, Jesus had just died and these disciples had followed him for years and years and years, three years probably. And, um, and then all of a sudden the story was over. Like, that's not what they wanted. That, that was a total missed expectation. They thought Jesus was going to take over the world and they were going to uh, be sitting at his right hand in power. And that's what they wanted. That's what they expected. And yet they're looking at him bloodied up on the cross thinking, man, this isn't how I wrote the, this isn't how I thought the story was going to go. Um, this wasn't my plan. And then three days later though, uh, they, they walked to the tomb to hear it. Uh, he is risen indeed. So, um, even though the story isn't what it might look like, even though the story isn't what you want it to be, uh, that doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean that God's not going to use it for your good because it might be three days later. It might be three years later. It might be 30 years down the road. And you realize, wow, like Jesus used that period in my time, um, in a way that I couldn't even imagine. He used it for my good when it didn't feel good. So I think if, if churches can just get that message across of do not place your hope in this world, like your story's not finished just because you're missing your graduation, just because you're missing, uh, your wedding day. That doesn't mean your story's over. That doesn't mean God is absent. Um, in fact, we were promised suffering here. Like this is what right. should be expected. Um, and, and we've got hope, whether that hope is here on earth or um, whether it's just eventually in heaven one day, we know that we are getting closer and closer to hope um, because we follow Jesus. So it's just a reminder that 
we can't place our hope here in this world, but instead we can place our hope in Jesus because uh, he's promised that one day he'll make all things new. So, man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You, you shared a lot of wisdom in a condensed amount of time. Um, so we sh- super appreciate that. Um, I think this podcast episode is going to help a lot of people. So I really appreciate it. Hey, well, honored to be a part of it. Whatever I can do to help people follow Jesus, I am here for. So you're doing a great work. Uh, appreciate you. Thank me. Thanks for listening to the podcast about nothing in particular. This conversation was with Nate Hilkenkamp of Harris Creek Baptist in Waco, Texas. Check out Harris Creek online at harriscreek.org and check out the Becoming Something podcast on Apple Podcast. Thanks for listening.